Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw with you in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Day two of Canuck Central for this season. And uh, getting that much closer to training camp beginning. There's a lot to get into, as always. We will not be uh, disclosing what is in our recent photo album. No? On our, on our phones. No, we're not going to get into that. That is not part of today's program. No. Nope. No. Is, uh, let me ask, are any of the four immediate photos on your library <laughs> not safe for work? Uh, probably not. They're mostly just like me taking videos of my golf swing and trying to figure out what's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Usually like your, your photo library is a, a bit of a mess. Not you. I mean like, you know, for, for all of us, it's yes. just a bit of everything. It's a little bit of everything. Some screenshots of whatever you might have. Mine is just a picture of you guys. Really? Oh, really? Because I was doing that stupid oh, graphic. Right. Yes. Uh, so. yes, yes, yes. The graphic I wouldn't be embarrassed out. to share. <laughs> Yes. Uh, superimpose all our faces on JT Miller, Elias Pedersen, and Thatcher Demko yeah. as they stood by supporting their new captain, Quinn Hughes. Uh, food picks, uh, golf videos. That's mm. that's pretty much the entirety of my uh, my recent photo. Album. Yeah, I actually have like some screenshots of salary cap pages <laughs> on mine. <laughs> Seth's just like, he's got photos to remind himself that there is zero cap space around the league, right? Everywhere, everywhere. I mean, there's no, and like, even NFL, like, I'm not kidding. Like, you know, like, Reach, am I lying? Look. He's not, even, not, lying. Lying. I'm not even lying. He's not even lying. He's not even lying. Um, <laughs> it's it's Sat's favorite line. All you got to do is look. And gotta... He makes sure that he looks <laughs> every and <day>. saves <laughs> whatever he needs to remember. We just got to make sure we have all the facts. <laughs> So Jim Benning doesn't grill us again about yeah. not knowing what's going on. You don't have all the information. Guys. <laughs> That's the problem with, with us guys. Uh, all right. So in uh, on the Canucks, yesterday they named uh, Quinn Hughes captain. Yesterday we had Quinn Hughes, the new captain of the Vancouver Canucks, on the show for an exclusive conversation with us. You can go back and check it out on the podcast. Subscribe, leave a review. That way you never miss an edition of the show. And we do appreciate those reviews. They do help us quite a bit. And we appreciate you, the listeners, of course. So what's next? They've named Quinn Hughes captain. What's yeah. on the next to-do list for the Vancouver Canucks? I mean, the most ob- the, the two most obvious ones are like you know, obviously going through training camp, yeah. seeing what happens with McKay and Pearson, and what kind of cap uh, machinations they have to go through to be able to um, you know have a roster close to twenty-three players. However, mm-hmm. however, however, that's going to work out, and that really depends on how players play in camp and ultimately the fitness of Pearson and Mikheyev, and that's still very much to be determined. The other one is Elias Pettersson, of course, yeah. his contract. But because his contract hasn't expired yet, he still has a year left in his RFA. It's and not a year of control beyond that. In terms of a talking point, in terms of big picture, of course, super important and something that people will want to discuss until some point until they get kind of tired of it. But it's not like it's an immediate need. Like, you don't have to get Elias Pettersson signed next. Like, your next order of business does not have to be getting Elias Pettersson signed to a contract extension. It's uh, on the list of biggest priority, big picture for the team, sure, is getting Elias Pettersson signed and locked up beyond the next couple of years. But... Uh, It's not immediately what has to be done next. Now, you mentioned Pearson and Mikheyev and cap machinations. I think ultimately that's going to be probably the biggest storyline going into camp for me 
is how this all looks mm-hmm. because Pearson, we had sort of, I wouldn't say written off, but you know, I went into the summer thinking there was a low probability or possibility that he was going to be available and ready for this team when training camp arrived. We keep seeing videos and, you know, we talked to Quinn Hughes yesterday. Everybody says Pearson's looking pretty good right now. And it does create an even bigger clog in those middle six winger options for this Vancouver Canucks team. How much does it affect this team? All of those things start to like flow into my brain as I start to think of how it works if Tanner Pearson is good to go come the start of training camp and into the season. Yeah, and I think there are there are a lot of ways you can make it kind of work. One is, hey, the kids aren't ready. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's put coals in. When Hoaglander is the one that kind of like looms a bit large, he does require waivers. So if you send him down, does anybody pick him up? But that's the one guy you may have to send down to keep everybody up. But I think the other thing that we have to look at is Mikheyev and his status. You know, we've heard his agent mention on Donnie and Dolly that, you know, he's he's it's not an imminent return for him mm-hmm. and that, you know, it's about getting him ready for the regular season. So the question really comes down to how ready is he going to be by the time the roster is going to unveiled? And is he an LTIR candidate to start the season, which would mean he has to miss the first 10 games? Yeah. And these are things that we don't have clarity on yet. I've been trying to get some more clarity on it, and and, and hopefully we'll have some news as the week goes on here. But I think it's very much to be determined still on that status. But that's the one thing I wonder about is that do you you have a get-out-of-jail-free card for at least 10 games? Mm -hmm. And given what happens in in the National Hockey League over 10 games, other injuries, other things may happen, who knows? It gives a little bit of a sample for guys to see, okay, like... You know, Niels, here's, you know, 10 games for you to show if you belong here or not. But I think that's something that may be in their back pocket a little bit. So when I keep hearing they're not concerned about being compliant or not, you can do the demotion thing. You can also, you know, delay the return for Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah. And it, you know, it just um, adds another wrinkle to the, uh, <laughs> there's so many wingers on this team uh, as you add Pearson back into the mix. I mean, you know, you've got Kuzmenko and Besser. You've got Mikheyev. You brought in Beauvillier in the Horvat trade. You bring back Pearson. You've got Pod Colson and Hoaglander. You have Garland still on this roster. Dakota Joshua cemented himself as more of a full-time NHLer last year with how he performed on the roster. So Phil DiGiuseppe, who was a favorite of the coach last year, sure, he might still be a bubble guy, but you know, you've added a lot of these bodies. You bring Pearson back, and it just creates even more of a logjam and it feels like there's going to be very little opportunity for Hoaglander Pod Colson, who I think are going to be the major storyline of training camp is how they perform and how they set themselves up. See, I kind of see it the other way. I think there is ample opportunity for both those guys. Right. Because to your point, I know you love Phil Giuseppe, but can you compete with him? You know, for a spot, can you compete? Like Dakota Joshua, he played what? Is he really a third liner or is he more of a fourth line type of player? You know what I mean? So, like, I think there's a, there are two spots that I'm really looking at. Yeah. It's the second line wing spot. Where plays Giuseppe, with Miller and Besser. Right. And whether that Pearson comes back or not, who knows? But if Pearson's not ready to go, that spot, I think, gives opportunity to Hoaglander, gives opportunity to put Coles in both those guys, right? And same thing for the third line. And with Bavillier, like, I, th- I think if you want to be a true four line team, then you have to have a fourth line that can actually survive, right? And that, I mean, to me, that would mean 
maybe having Bavillier on your fourth line or having Garland on your fourth de facto fourth line or something, right? And that way you have four lines that you can roll out every single night. And if you can do that, then you can approximate a poor man's version of being the Vegas Golden Knights that Rick Tockett mentioned uh, last week when he spoke to Ian McIntyre in the Q&A about looking at the Vegas model in terms of having four lines that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Can we build something towards that? But the only way that can happen is having the personnel that allows you to be able to run those four lines. So I think for Pitcolson and Hoaglander, there's ample opportunity for them to cement themselves. The question is, are they good enough? It's as simple as that. Now, Pitcolson is obviously a little bit younger, but that's my big question about these guys. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge one going into camp, right? Like they are higher ceiling. They're younger players. We've seen Hoaglander score... You know, at a pretty good rate in his rookie year. We always known he's had some puck management and defensive issues in his game. That got him in the doghouse with, well, towards the end of Travis Green's tenure and then continued into the Bruce Boudreaux tenure, and he never really got it. He, he didn't get a game with, with Rick Tockett. So you know, we had this discussion. I, I spoke uh, when uh, the last, last week... Dan and I were both working, but we yeah. were not on the same show. It's like That's they right. kept us apart until Canuck Central debuted. So we we're doing a show with Bick, and the, the question he kind of posed was, "What does Niels Hoaglander do? At a like, what's his separating skill? Like his functional separating skill? Like, what does he do that is like you know will lead to goals, will lead mm-hmm. to assists, points? Like, what does he do that you look at and say, okay, that's going to be his his bread and butter to be a point producer? Well. I'm going to borrow what Jeremy Carlton said to us last year on the show. His puck pursuit is his best asset. Great. Yeah. That, it, that's kind of a bottom six trait, though. Precisely. That's not to say he can't be effective, but this whole notion of can Niels Hoaglander take a massive step offensively and be a top six producer and be a guy that you should invest in long term, I haven't seen it yet. Because yeah. everything that he's done has been... To your point, good park pursuit, and he's done a good job winning puck battles, getting that puck over to other guys. He's a bit of a wall guy. Right, he can do some stuff like that, right? But like, he doesn't have a great shot. He's not a great playmaker. His hockey sense in terms of what angles to take and how to be in the forecheck, unless he's F1, the first forward in, is very questionable. Not the biggest guy, right? He's he's not the fastest guy in a straight line, but he's shifty and everything. But like, what, there isn't, to me, like offensively, there, I don't think he does anything special. Yeah. You know, like he's got the great hands in terms of the puck handling skills. His handle is his best trait. Fantastic. But handle doesn't lead to goals and points necessarily. You know, it's about do you have the vision to make good passes? Do you have a good shot to be able to score? And those are the things he has not yet exhibited. So until he exhibits those things, I'm going to be very skeptical about his overall offensive upside. So at least for put Coles in as much as not as flashy, hasn't figured a lot of things out. And there are things he has to do a lot better. But he actually has decent vision. You know, when he has the puck and his shot is absolutely. Yeah, we, I mean, you can see the shot, right? He, he has a shot, you know, and that's not to say he's going to be this legitimate top six player, but because of his size and his ability, I see a better pathway for him to get the opportunity and also maybe, maybe be a guy for your long term. But I think it's very, very much up to debate or up, I think it's very, I, I don't know if either guy is going to have a lot of offensive potential yeah like outside of being middle six players and i think with pod colson the the major intrigue has always been for me can he really be um a high-end two-way winger in the league there's not a ton of those guys and they're really hard to find especially if they play with that size and and that little bit of snarl but if you can find that player or develop that player then it can be an extremely valuable asset to a wannabe cup contender 
And I think that's what you're hoping is the best case scenario for Vasily Podkolzin. Well, and they're also kind of really missing, like as much as this team wants to be harder to play against, it's going to have to come from the collective. Yeah. And on the back end, you added Susie and Bluger a guy that can get in on the forecheck and be hard to play against, I get. But they don't have a lot of muscle, or nor do they have a ton of toughness. They don't have a lot of it up front either. It's, it's something that they definitely have to uh, display more of. And I don't, like they didn't really add a ton of it, right? Does Teddy Bluger, you know, he's not going to be a, a bruising guy. Pew Suter, that, you know, they added that. That's not, that's not going to be somebody that really brings any sort of sandpaper to this roster. So those are still question marks for this team. We're going to dive into the new additions a little bit more mm-hmm. in hour two of the program. But final thing on the glut of middle six wings. It's it's like, yeah, they've they've got a lot of wingers. They've got a lot of pieces that can help. But... The thing that they're missing and the thing they weren't able to go out and get this offseason, there was not a ton available and they didn't have the cap space really to do it, but add sort of an impact player or a higher impact player. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can do that still with the amount of cap space or lack of cap space that they have, but that's the way you sort of upgrade this team still is we find or we get an upgrade on an Anthony Beauvillier. We get an upgrade on a Connor Garland. Uh, You get another impact sort of player on this roster. And that's, I think, one of the more big picture type of question marks that this team has to answer, which obviously isn't an easy one to answer. Uh, It's not very imminent in terms of any big trades. And we're going to get to Tyler Myers coming up in in, in a few minutes here. And, you know, not to give away the discussion too much, but... Not a lot of cap space around the league. Don't mm-hmm. expect a ton of movement. We had the discussion with Frank Valley yesterday, if you missed it, missed it on the podcast, in terms of you know what's happening in a very quiet trade market. It's probably going to remain relatively quiet. So, however, mm-hmm. having said that, I do believe that as much as the Canucks feel pretty good about the roster this season, they made some additions. Again, what long-term addition have they made this offseason outside of giving Susie three years? They None. Didn't, yeah, they didn't make one. None. Not a single one. The, the only long-term investments... Tom Willander. That, yeah, exactly. The only long-term investments they made were in a draft, yeah. right, with their selections. Nothing else, right? There hasn't even been an internal contract extension long-term. There, so there's been nothing solved long-term, which means you have options, which means you're you're still leaving the possibility for other things to happen. Now, that could very well be a lot of guys succeeding internally, and maybe it solves a lot of problems for you anyways. And maybe just maybe Bluger is such a great fit that you want to invest in him and stay, and you sign Pedersen. All of a sudden, all those things we talked about, you have solutions but that's a perfect world and it's unlikely that everything's going to unfold for you perfectly and the other thing is as much as those guys might have success and I think Podkolzin would have to be the big one I think if Podkolzin all of a sudden can score 20 some goals I think all of a sudden then the team can be like you know what maybe we don't need to worry too much about adding another top six scorer here we feel pretty good about what we have but again how likely is that yeah probably unlikely that Podkolzin's a 20 plus goal scorer this year I think the Canucks would love to add another guy that can put the puck in the net up front yeah and somebody who can like actually shoot from distance, too. Because you also look at the profile of players they've been after. And I think one of the reasons they actually still rate Brock Besser is because he can shoot the puck. Now, it hasn't been as good as before everybody jumps down my throat and he hasn't been good enough. Oh, like, I can already see the text coming I see, and they're coming Brock in. Brock lost his shot years ago. <laughs> what are you talking about, Sat? 100%. 100%. But profile of players still, right? And I think they would like to add another player up front that can, you know, shoot from distance a little bit and be a goal-scoring threat. So I think as the season goes on here, I don't think we should assume the Canucks are kind of done or quiet. 
I would very much assume they're going to be in on a number of players, even higher end guys. Now, the higher end players may be pipe dreams. Yeah. But you still, you know, you know, put your nose in there and see what happens. And the other thing is, if you're hopeful, do some of your prospects take steps? Do a couple of young players take steps? You know, okay, now we have more assets that teams may want to go out and get a star player who may become available. But I think the Canucks are going to be very active in trying to improve their team, Dan. Whether that's on the back end in mm-hmm. terms of finding long-term fits, because again... Cole's a one-year deal, right? Myers is expiring. You have Quinn, you have Hironic, and that's pretty much it long-term. So what else is, is going to be cooking there potentially? But I think very much as the season goes on, especially closer to the deadline, I think the Canucks would love to add, and I don't mean a rental, like a veteran player. I mean like somebody who can be a long-term fit. So I think they're very going to be very aggressive still in trying to improve this roster. So as much as you know, the who they're going to trade off the roster may not be a big as big yeah. a conversation outside of Myers potentially this year, but there could be a lot of conversation about who are the Canucks trying to add to their roster. Which is interesting because if you think about their pursuit of changing or molding the defense more in their eye, I would say, they didn't really do it last summer. They said they had some options. They were in on a bunch of defensemen, but they weren't able to swing a deal that really worked for them, and the lack of cap space held them back. When they finally made the trade for the defensemen, it was after they moved Bo Horvat and Philip Perona came on the market, and they went and snapped him up immediately. Now, any move they could make has to be preceded by money going out Mm -hmm. and the obvious names are still the ones that we've talked about ad nauseum through the course of the summer but the one that really sticks out not just because of his size or the size of his contract it's tyler myers as an expiring deal what happens with myers as we get into the season here sad unless somebody makes it a worthwhile for vancouver i'm not expecting a tyler myers trade before the start of the season because they paid the bonus because he's entering the final year of his contract Mm -hmm. as a righty defenseman he can become an asset for you at some point especially if you start talking retention on the on the contract and everything you know we had this hypothetical discussion for the past like 18 months yes it's finally arrived yes myers is, is on the verge of being a trade asset for you so if that's the case outside of there is something you can't pass up and you desperately need the cap space to do it. So you're willing to punt the value on, on, on Myers. I'm not expecting a Myers trade because all of a sudden, not only can you maybe get something from Myers, I mean, just get the money off the books to some extent or at least half of it. You can get something decent out of it. Yeah. So unless somebody's willing to give Vancouver, and I don't mean just a second round pick, but the equivalent of something along those lines, which I don't think any team is going to be looking to do in September. No. But... Unless something like that comes along, I'm not expecting Myers to get traded anytime soon. Uh, Myers still does have a modified no-trade clause, so I would imagine uh, he sized up a bunch of the teams that actually have cap space and put them on the list. Uh, But as you get closer to the trade deadline, more teams have cap space. Injuries happen through the course of the year. Maybe a um, playoff contender-type team loses a right-shot defenseman, and they can see Myers playing sort of a 4-5-ish type role, helping on the penalty kill and eating 18 to 20 minutes a night as they go into the playoffs and bring some size into a playoff run. Like, There's a lot of ways that you can envision Tyler Myers being a valued asset at the trade deadline by a lot of other teams around the league. Mm-hmm. So it's it's probably the name that uh, 
really is going to be talked about through the course of the year. It's been talked about for the entirety five-year contract (laughs) that he signed with the Vancouver Canucks, but it does feel like that is coming closer. And, you know, for as much as people on the text line and our listeners often tell us their complaints about Tyler Myers, I wouldn't be too surprised if he still plays a pretty significant role on this team to start the season. Right now, which righty defenseman do you put ahead of him? Philip Ronick. Outside of that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, and because the, one of Susie or Cole is probably flipping to the right side. Right. And hey, maybe that does push Myers to the third pair, yeah. right? And I think in, in a perfect world, maybe that's something that does happen. But it's still very much a question whom whom he's going to be playing with, like yeah. whose partner is going to be. Because I think the, the six, seven, and if they go with AD spots are very much to be determined, right? So Myers, in that regard, I think he's going to be your second guy on the PK. He'll be on the second unit PK, still playing a pretty big role, perhaps even the first unit, depending on you know uh, how he plays and how things go, right, with Hronik and all that on the PK. So he's going to play on the PK. But if you play him, say, 20 minutes a game or 19 minutes a game, and you don't expose him to the top D pairs all the time, yeah. you probably get a safer player, a bit, you know, probably not as... Um, uneven in terms of his performances, <laughs> and that's being kind because last year was a dreadful year for him. And the other thing is he has size. He yeah. can move the puck decently. Like he, do, he moves okay for a big guy. He has some pedigree from the past. Because he's in an expiring contract, I think he's the type of player that as the season goes on, especially, particularly by a trade deadline, he's going to be a player that's, that's going to have value for you. And if the Canucks are trying to improve their team dramatically as the season goes on, then you have a guy you can always move as you get closer to January. So it's like, okay, now we need cap space. We can pull the trigger on getting Myers out. Maybe we get like a fourth round pick or a third, but hey, at least we create some space. Now we can go and chase that other player we're trying to add to, to our team. So I think Myers is very much a player that, hey, he's probably getting traded at some point this season, I think, but it's not going to be anytime soon, I don't think. Uh, this text, uh, as expected, coming in. Sat, you're crazy about yep, Besser. Of course. I knew it. <laughs> it was the most obvious. Uh, I, I can tell the future moment when, uh, yep. when somebody's going to bring their criticisms about <laughs> Brock Besser. Look, you know, what's next for the Canucks? Like, yeah, they need an impact player to show up on this roster. Yeah. Brock Besser uh, earlier in his career was more of an impact player than the player we saw last year or even the year prior. We know the story with Besser. There's been a lot of reasons as to why he hasn't been at his best over the last couple of years, but we are going to enter another training camp season where we wonder if this is the year we see the best version of Brock Besser. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm already tired of that discussion. You know, I, I think a lot of us are. I think a lot of our listeners are, too. Yeah, and I mean, you see the stuff like he's skating at UBC, people taking videos and be like, hey, he, he doing the speed test, and they're like, hey, look at his stride. It's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't need to see any of this. Yeah. You know, like it's about, hey, when the regular season begins, what does he look like, right? Be healthy yes. for the start of the season. Can he be healthy? Get through training camp healthy. Yeah, it's been a big question, you know, and that's why as much as you look at the cap now and all the players, it's like somebody's probably getting hurt at some point. Yeah. And the question is just like, when does that happen? And, you know, I just hope that they do have some internal solutions. Because as much as we're sitting here talking about trade, should I be the Grinch already and talk about how few trades are happening? Okay, Sat, we know trades aren't going to happen. They're not going to happen. And they All you got to do is look. Okay, just, just look, look at the cap space. space. It's, dude, eight teams. There are eight teams in the NHL right now that have three million or more in cap space, right? Yeah. And, and and this is the funny part. Okay, so here are the teams that have cap space. The Anaheim Ducks, Chicago Blackhawks, yeah. 
they're not looking for Tyler Myers. They're no. not teams that you know are looking to make you know those big trades for guys with term on their deals, right? The Buffalo Sabers, Nashville Predators, Red Wings, Blue Jackets, San Jose Sharks, and Coyotes. That's it. Nobody else has cap space. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has some LTIR space, maybe a million, a few hundred thousand, or whatever. There is no cap space in the NHL, right? So if you are waiting, if you're hoping to solve your issues this year to become a better team and make the playoffs via the trade route, I think you're going to be hoping and praying for a long time. So I am hoping, Dan, that they, they finally have some internal solutions here. Uh, it is going to be a year of Sat being the Grinch for all of you. Just remember <laughs> that, okay? If you think a trade is coming, Sat will be here to destroy your dreams. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take the trades away. Sat is the Olivia Rodrigo of this show. <laughs> what a shout. Let's spit the water out. <laughs> it's, Dan, it's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. You're listening to Canuck Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.